This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, alongside, as always, Steve Geller. And as mentioned previously, we are bringing in Special guest, Eric Eager, formerly of PFF. He's now with Sumer Sports, the VP of Research and Development. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great, guys. I think that, uh, you know, the football offseason uh, pr- really doesn't start till May. And so uh, we, we really get another month of, of speculation and all that good stuff uh, before we can really take some time off. Yeah, who knew that we'd still be waiting for a destination or a confirmed destination for Brett Favre and all this madness? Um, but yeah, this, this, this offseason, he does this I, every time. He calls Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre. Oh my gosh, I did it again. It, it is. It's like this disgusting fungus I have going on. I don't know. Like, uh, I. But yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers going to the the Jets seems like the the worst kept secret kind of deal. But um, yeah, again, a typical NFL offseason where it's just entertaining. And with this Saints squad, obviously, uh, bringing in a guy like Derek Carr was a big splash here that I think everyone kind of expected when there were those rumblings happening with the Raiders this past season. And we saw that fallout over there. And it just seemed like a good fit for this squad. And just, you know, curious your take when you think on a guy like Carr, his production over the seasons. I know... Last year was typically, you know, looked at as a really down year for him. But in previous seasons, uh, it just looks like a guy that kind of fits in what the Saints offense does pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he's accurate. He's, you know, certainly an above average quarterback. I think that the it, it's hard because, you know, he was starting to fall off. And then John Gruden came. And I thought that John Gruden actually gave him like a fairly significant boost in performance and, you know, from 20. Uh, 18 to 2019 through 20, even 21. I think he was probably playing his best football. And then uh, once Gruden left, they got lucky and won some games, but he had kind of fallen off. And then last year was really rough for him. But he, he comes to a, you know, a Saints team now with Olave, Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy, 
Like there's some weapons there for him that I think he'll be okay with. Offensive line's fine. Uh, you know, it's a pretty good, frankly, uh, especially relative to what he had with the Raiders. You know, I'm not the biggest Derek Carr fan, but I think that he can have success here, especially in a conference where, <laughs> you know, uh, the best quarterbacks are not particularly, uh, you know, well-represented. Yeah, and I think one of the questions that I have for a lot of people who aren't necessarily, because I talk to a lot of people inside the market, and I think there's kind of this idea of how the Saints operate within the market, and then you get outside the market. And there are a lot of differing viewpoints on not only how the Saints operate, but how long they've tried to extend this title window beyond Drew Brees and not resetting the way a team like the Bucks appears to be very dead set on doing this year. And maybe trying to turn that into a kind of a one-year turnaround, almost like what the Colts did when they moved on from Peyton Manning and got Andrew Luck. What is your opinion on how the Saints have tried to kind of stretch this out and obviously bringing in Derek Carr? Do you think it's kind of a lost cause or is it more of like a, you know, this is a wide open division and it would almost be foolish for at least not one team to try to go win it? Yeah, I think on one end, you know, there's a lot of teams in the NFC for which it makes sense to do this a little bit, right? Minnesota's in a similar, you know, not necessarily as bad of a a situation, but in a similar situation, uh, you know, the Saints have been in that situation for a while. You know, Green Bay, you know, tried with Rodgers. Now, Rodgers is a much better player than Carr, but, you know, they tried to extend the window. I think it's natural to want to do that, given that when you look across, you know, Tampa Bay, as you said, is down. Carolina is going all in for a rookie quarterback and Atlanta can't seem to, you know, they had their, you know, their bouts of trying to go all in my, my current boss, Thomas Mitrov was the GM and, and they, they tried to go back and win the 2016 Super Bowl a few times. And like, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I think with the saints, like I look at it and I say, you know, when you look around the roster, you know, I don't see, you know, Ryan Ramchek's not getting any younger, you know, Michael Thomas, of course, is not getting any other Younger, neither is Kamara, you know, Cam Jordan, uh, Lattimore, you know, all those guys. You never really, uh, Demario Davis. Like at some point, though, the you know, the wheels are going to fall off those players, and I don't see a lot of young guys kind of stepping up for them. So the question becomes, like, when do you finally turn it off? With bringing Carr in means it's probably going to be a couple of years from now before they do. But it, I think it's natural for them to, you know to do the opposite of what Tampa Bay is doing because teams are do you know, teams are doing what green Bay and Tampa are doing and sort of throttling back, opening up a position for the saints to possibly make the playoffs and do something. Yeah. And looking at this saints roster right now, after the additions and free agency, you know, bringing in a running back, uh, getting some defensive tackle help after losing some guys, what do you really see as, this team's biggest needs heading into this draft. I know locally we're definitely locked in on still defensive tackle, uh, defensive end, linebacker, running back. The The notion of selecting a quarterback in round one definitely does not seem likely, obviously, with the addition of Derek Carr. Yeah, I think corners one, it's big. You can never have enough corners, especially when you're a team that has a lot of veteran players. You know, with guys that are prone to getting injured, you want to have a good stable of corners. You know, interior offensive line, like there's a lot of money invested and a lot of capital invested, but that hasn't been necessarily a good position for the team for a while. I think tight end, like my Thomas Mitroff and I on the Sumer Sports Show last night, we went through the top five tight ends. I, you know, obviously the Saints, when they are a powerhouse in the NFL, you know, it's been, you know, they've always had great tight ends, you know, Jeremy Shockey and, and you know, uh, Jimmy Graham and that kind of thing when they've won. 
that's another position. But I, I think it's got to be the weak link positions. It has to be offensive line. It has to be corner. They, they did an okay job. And, you know, Kylan Saunders, I think, is a good player uh, from Kansas City in free agency. Wide receiver, you could always use more players. I, I know Shahid had a you know very promising year, but you can always use more wideouts, especially given the injury history of Michael Thomas. So those positions, I think, are, are really are good ones for the Saints to address when they're picking. And there should be guys kind of in that you know 29 to 40 range uh, that are going to be beneficial for them there. All right. So kind of, I want to take this off the beaten track a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about your presence on Twitter is it's very similar to my own in that you're, you're a, you're a die on a hill kind of guy when it comes to certain, certain arguments. And one that I see you waging often is the Pat Mahomes is that good argument. And I appreciate it because I think there's this subset of like sports analysis and and you're obviously close to this with, you know, your work with, with statistics and, and like kind of the in-depth analysis. And it, it always kind of reminds me of when I was in high school, I had a statistics professor who he said this line multiple times and he said, statistics are like a cheap prostitute. They're not hard to get. And once you get them, you can do whatever you want with them. <laughs> and in hindsight, it's probably not something you should say to, to, to children, but Either way, I think it's it's fair because it reminds me of the arguments that I would get in with people about, you know, well, Mike Thomas isn't really that good. All he does is run slants. And it's like, well, is Steph Curry not that good because all he does is shoot threes and not enough mid-range jumpers? And I think that it kind of gets to this point of there's this large subset of social media and analysis that is almost like they're trying to prove the point that these players aren't that good. You've been duped and this is why. And I think there's this there's this element of sports analysis and statistics where the statistics are only part of the equation. You also have to analyze them in a way that is sensible and actually tells you the story the way it is actually being shown on the field. And you only get that sometimes, right? Like there's so many numbers and so many variables that you can go into. And I think it's the analysis part that people forget. And I'm curious what your take is uh, on that front. Yeah, I think you make such good points there. Like, you know, when I started at PFF, not everybody had the data. And like, mm -hmm. then everybody starts to get the data. And then, you know, then the money it, it was made in adjusting the data for context. And then once everybody can adjust the data for context, then there's, you know, how okay, let's say this guy's a 97 grade. What is that worth in the open market? Now we're right. all sort of there. And I think Saints fans, you know, because of their cap maneuverings, they understand some of those things like that you can move around cap money. Okay. So now it's, and there's always, I want statistics to be the first 90% of the answer. And then I want the 10% to be the expertise of whoever's talking. So for me, it's like as a data driven person who understands football, like that's where my, I, the data can't be the last 10% of the argument. It has to be the first 90. And then from there I come in and say, well, you know, for Derek Carr, it's like, well, why doesn't Derek Carr win? You know, or why does why do Pat why is Patrick Mahomes in the AFC comp, you know conference title game every single year, right? And why is Alvin Kamara amazing? You know, why does Michael Thomas yeah, have our time staying healthy? Like all those things, I think like the data can get you into the ballpark, but then from there you differentiate yourself, whether that be in sports betting, whether that be in DFS, or whether that just be in analysis you differentiate yourself for how you jump off from that first 90%. Now, I think like due to companies like PFF and hopefully eventually Sumer Sports and, you know, great, I think really intelligent people covering teams, like we're all almost aligned on the first 90%. It's that last 10 that I think 
you really have to deploy, you know, some of the hard-earned, you know, subject matter expertise. You know, with only three weeks away now from this NFL draft kicking off, we obviously know that the quarterbacks are the, you know, prime commodities all the time in these these drafts and expect uh, some guys to even go ahead of some projections. Uh, I'm really curious, just because the Saints have been involved with uh, the quarterback, Hendon Hooker, where do you think he ultimately ends up? I, I mean, so many people think it's a third, fourth round grade, but there's been whispers now I'm hearing folks talking about him getting up into the first round. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you got to be kidding me here. I mean, <laughs> is it just for that that extra you know, year of a rookie deal that you might do that with him? Well, I think that that is, is worth it. Like, I think if you're the Eagles, do you wish now that you would have traded a third or fourth round pick to have an extra year of control on Jalen Hurts? Probably do, Yeah. right? Um, that's a big deal. I think with Hooker, though, you saw the market move from like minus 150 for on over, or sorry, under four and a half quarterbacks in round one, moved all the way to like minus 225, which is a, a significant move. Uh, if you look at DraftKings yesterday, I don't think Hooker goes in round one. I, and in fact, if you look at the history of the first round of the draft, so you go all the way back to like, let's say 2017, like Deshaun Kaiser fell into the second round. 2018, Lamar Jackson fell it to pick 32. Mason Rudolph was talked about in a similar vein to Hennon Hooker okay. um, in 2018. You know, 19, Drew Locke fell to 42. 2020, you know, Love fell to 26th or so. 21, you saw Mac Jones fall to 15, and then no one after that. Uh, and then last year, you know, obviously Malik Willis fell all the way to round three. In fact, Desmond Ritter fell all the way, you know, uh, actually went ahead of him. Both guys were about even money to be taken in the first round when the draft kicked off on the betting market. So I think a lot of it, a lot of, you know, quarterbacks are really valuable. And I think, you know, agents and stuff like that are capitalizing on it now. I don't foresee it happening. I think you're more likely to see a fall from a guy like like Will Levis than you are to see a rise from a guy like Malik uh, I uh, like Hendon Hooker. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I think the the month before the draft, early April, is like prime smokescreen season. Everyone is going to tell you everything they want you to hear. And uh, it's, you know, you've got to take all of it with a grain of salt. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. this guy's going for a visit there. And it's like they, they just want the, the a physical. That's really all they're trying to get. And anyway, you know, so you've mentioned you've mentioned Sumer Sports a couple times. And obviously we're talking to Eric Eager and. So I know you do a lot of work with Thomas Dimitrov. I've gotten a chance to talk with uh, Thomas. I've gotten to interview him. And he, he's a good example of this kind of dynamic in sports where I think people underestimate how just generally intelligent a lot of these GMs are beyond even football. Like Thomas is just a fascinating person. And, uh, you know, if you could just tell us kind of what y'all are doing there. I don't know if it's necessarily a household name at this point, as, for example, like PFF might be. But y'all are doing a lot of interesting things. So why don't you just kind of go into that and explain that? Yeah, so uh, Thomas and I became friends kind of during my time with PFF. Like I started, I did a lot of work for the Falcons. When when Thomas got fired, I reached out to him and basically asked him, you know, if he would help me build PFF's product for a general manager. And over time, you know, we really got, you know, I think he's wonderful. He does, Like you said, he's very open-minded. I think 
very intelligent guy. He's obviously won in the, in this league, being a GM for 12 and a half years. And so, you know, ultimately he eventually, you know, latched on to Sumer Sports. Paul Tudor Jones, one of the best macro traders of all time. I want, you know, he and his son wanted to start a football analytics company. They made Thomas the CEO. Eventually I came on as VP of R&D and, you know, we're building you know, optimization tools for NFL teams. Uh, we're also doing some stuff in the media space, you know, our, our podcast, the Sumer Sports Show, you know, as well as our Twitter at Sumer Sports. We're trying to be, I think, a, you know, a, a data driven you know, place where people can go and get football insights. Uh, it's been a pleasure to work with them. I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're delivering our draft dashboard to a couple client clubs uh, at the end of the month. And uh, we're really excited for that. So, you know, just kind of, you know, ground floor. There's a, PFF was a tremendous place to start my career. And um, I, there are a lot of things I would have liked to have done there um, that I didn't get to do. And, and, and I'm getting to do a lot of those things here at Sumer. What's the origin of the name? Well, so like the Sumerians were like the first to use math and statistics to okay. help build their society. So like that, that's kind of the, 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 the very ground floor of that. See, like I said, it's a very, very high level, uh, high level organization. You're yeah. going with ancient Sumeria. But yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Thanks for that. Uh, just curious, back to some draft stuff. Uh, one of the guys that's been picking up a lot of buzz I see for, you know, Saints and mock drafts going, you know, potentially with that 29th pick. This tight end class has been raved about. But uh, yeah, like I said, keep seeing a few people mocking Michael Mayer at tight end to the Saints at 29 and just, you know, just uh, wondering some of your thoughts on him. I think he's a, I think he's a wonderful player. Um, you know, not as athletic, right? A four, seven guy, less, you know, some of these other guys like Kincaid, uh, Musgrave are more like four, six guys. So he's a little bit slower than that, but he obviously has, you know, a lot of, you know, he had, he had to be the whole offense. I think it was like a 31% target share with Notre Dame. And he, he stepped up and did that. He's a bigger guy. Tight end's a hard position, right? Because, you know, Saints fans know, like, I mean, it's just, it's a position where, like, the great players kind of come out of nowhere and the top drafted players are really hard. It's hard to acclimate. And so, you know, it's a it's not a great gamble when you take a guy at tight end early. But, you know, when where they're picking, like, I think, especially if it's early second round, you, you're going after guys like Musgrave or Kincaid or somebody like that who might... You know, Mayer right now, if you look at grinding the mocks, is about pick 24 is where he's averaging in the mocks, Kincaid 26. So they're right around where the Saints, you know, uh, could get them. Um, it's not a great gamble, but given the way that this offense is and given how good Derek Carr was at throwing to Darren Waller um, when he was in, in Vegas in Oakland, like it might be, it might be worth a shot. I, I I would still go corner. I would still go wide receiver even before and even defensive end now that, you know, Davenport's gone and, you know, Hendrickson's been gone for a couple of years now and they need depth there. Like that's where I would go. But tight end certainly is a possibility with one of the early picks. It's a good point because you look at a lot of these first round tight ends from the last several years, like Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Hayden Hurst. None of them are on the teams that drafted them. You're, you're drafting right. somebody else's tight end and they end up being yeah, exactly. good because they're, right. they're, they're not they're bad. Talented. It's just you're not, you're not on the draft for another team. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's because, you know, the position is very well. For one, it's because the position's not a premium position. It's really easy to access tight ends. So teams will move on quick, more quickly. But also, it just takes forever for them to acclimate into the league, and so it's just a hard gamble right away. Right, and the Ravens' defense—they did end up with Mark Andrews, so it's kind of hard to hate on the uh, the miss on Hayden Hurst. Um, one more question, then we'll let you go. So, as you kind of go through this field, if you if you had to pick one player, 
whether it be first round, second round, mid mid rounds that you are just in love with that you you would you would want on your team if you were starting one tomorrow, regardless of where you had to pick them, who would it be? Uh, it's a good question. I you know I like Zay Flowers a lot. Like I think like he's a guy that's always open. He's a guy that gets open in sort of every area of the field. You know I really like you know Boston College, one of those teams where you're like okay. Uh, why am I watching this game? And then you're like, oh, that's why I'm watching this game. And he's like the really the only reason. Uh, I thought he was fantastic uh, for for the majority of his college career. He was on a lot of DFS lineups I happened to build uh, when I was at the you know stu- you working on college gaming and stuff. So I-, I like him a lot. I think he he really does do a lot of the things that you need an NFL receiver to do, even at his size. So well, thanks so much, Eric, for joining us. We've been talking to Eric Eager, VP of Research and Development for Sumer Sports. And, you know, I said one more question, but I'll let you say two two names or one more name and then let you go. Who's the top pick? Is it Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? I think, so the markets right now are basically 50-50. Um, it had gone, you know, towards, you know, it was, it was Stroud right after the trade. I didn't think there were really any fundamental reasons why that was the case. And the market has moved more towards Bryce Young over the last, you know, uh, 36 to 24 hours. I think that that movement is, is merited. I'll just say that. Well, one statistic I know matters is height. So we'll see. We'll see how much that goes. Well, thanks so much, Eric. It's been fun. And uh, check out all of his work over at Sumer Sports. Check out his podcast with Thomas Dimitrov. And thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Definitely appreciate it.